I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supple with us tonight, what do you say? episode of the best supporting podcast a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite best supporting actresses my name is nick kachanov and it's johnny camareri <laughs> and i'm colin drucker and in time you'll drop dead and i'll come to your funeral in a red dress <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh i uh i am so happy that you decided to quote Rita, Aunt Rita. Oh my gosh, the, Rita Capamaggi. Capamaggi. Rita Capamaggi. I am Capamaggi. I love the the recognition of best supporting Rita Capamaggi. Yes, assistant to the BSA. Oh. We haven't had one in a while, really. Like it's been a while, and she's just in the movie enough to like really fully appreciate her. And I, I laughed out loud when she said that. Oh my god, I love that. I had, I took a mental note to clean out on that because I was like, wow, she said a lot with that line delivery. That was that is. I did. I just. I was like so wowed. I was like, whoa, Rita. Uh, so yes, thank you for recognizing Rita so early in this discussion. Ugh, you are quite welcome. And of course, uh, that is because we are here today to talk about 1987's Moonstruck, and in particular, Best Supporting Actress winner, the late Olympia Dukakis. Ugh, what a week it was. I... In my heart, like my heart of heart, my hopes of hopes, there was like a small glimmer of like me sending. Because remember when we first started, she's actually on Twitter. And I was like, she doesn't have nearly as many followers as she should have. <laughs> like, my God, I remember and that. And I was like, yes, I followed all of like the BSA, like best supporting actress winners that I could. And anyone that's just like kind of BSA adjacent. And I found Olympia Dukakis, and I was like, what if I just DM'd her and we got her on the pod? And, uh, of course, I never did. But a titan in her community. I mean, everyone who has sort of just been, uh, you know, tweeting and uh, sending condolences, just from what I gathered, like, she's just as wonderful as you want her to be. She's like an actor's actor and is just a joy or was a joy to be around and... A true comedic force. Yeah. I, I read somewhere someone was talking about seeing her in public somewhere, and they, they just yelled out, I love you. And she just responded, I love you too. And I just thought, oh, <laughs> I could like, I can picture her doing it. And yeah, she, I mean, you know, it's like she, obviously she passed away, you know, this past week. She was 89, and it's one of those deaths where what a great life, you know, like what a, you know, yeah. what an accomplished narrative before, you know, heading on your way so you know it's a loss but it's also like well olympia you know you you did a lot with those 89 years so including winning an oscar amen I, there were some tweets of course by Cher herself mm. um that i mean if you are not following Cher on twitter like 
I remember like Ryan O'Connor on Lady Watch would always say like, please follow share because <laughs> it's just a stream of consciousness. It really is bonkers. But, uh, you know, again, really kind of reinforcing what we already said that she was just like a great woman and uh, a good friend and they, that they had a lot of uh, a lot of laughs recording recording uh, <laughs> filming Moonstruck and uh, she will be missed. But what better way to celebrate her? We, we have not covered Olympia yet and it's Mother's Day coming up, so it just uh, yeah the stars are aligning. Maybe not in the under the best of circumstances, but um, this one's for you, Olympia. Yeah, it is kind of perfect timing to to queen out on uh, a best supporting actress Oscar winner in a great mom role, mom wife, you know, just uh, you know, distinguished woman of Brooklyn. Uh, in in a movie yes. that yes the aforementioned share also won an, an Oscar for best actress in yes. an incredibly competitive year for best actress I know. at the Oscars I know I mean it's truly crazy it's nuts you know I uh, for those who don't know some of the she was I mean Sally Kirkland and Anna is is sort of its own little wild card she campaigned very heavily to get nominated I think she won the Golden Globe. Uh, but that's a whole other story. But Holly Hunter in Broadcast News, Meryl Streep in Ironweed, and who's the last the last loser of the pack that Cher beat out this year? It's Glenn. It's Glenn. It's Glenn. <laughs> it's Glenn in Fatal Attraction, which, listen, we might be talking about that movie soon. That is one of the, the Oscars that Glenn didn't win where it's like, I don't know, you guys. I think, how do you not give Glenn an Oscar for fatal fucking attraction, you know? Yeah, something's wrong here. Something is not adding up. Yeah, but, you know, that's not to say that Cher is not great in Moonstruck. It's, I mean, I'm keen to, to talk about this performance and get your thoughts on it, but it watching it the whole time, I was like, is is this, and maybe I'm, I'm burying the, the lead a little, but it was like, is this Oscar because this is a great performance or is this an Oscar because Cher, <laughs> because Cher, yeah. because Cher is, and that's not to like denigrate. Maybe that's the word. That's not to, to, you know, cut Cher down or take her down a peg. Cher is incredible. It's kind of a compliment to Cher that like Cher doing something gives her an Oscar. You know what I mean? Like just Cher in this role yeah. elevates it because she's so charming and so funny and has such magnetism, but I guess when I then thought, yeah, but you you beat out Glenn for Fatal Attraction, I just, I had to ask, like, was it enough, you know? Yeah, I, I will say, this will come as a shock to no one, that I have not seen Fatal Attraction. I know the gasps mm. heard around the world. I know, I know. Um, but we might be doing that soon. I think it's on our, our list. Yes. Um, and we have a... That's uh, something to look forward to, for sure. And I look forward to watching it. But yeah, I mean, from what I've seen of Fatal Attraction compared to this, it's it's such a different arena of types of performances and specifically types of Oscar-winning performances, too. It's like, yes, everything that you just said, she is magnetic. She is luminous. She is effortless in this movie. Like, and so beautiful that, like... Ugh. I, I fell in love with her. Like, I... We'll get to it, but, like, when she shows up at the Mets 
And we were talking, I think, at a previous episode about like, um, I think it was the the Annette Benning American President episode mm-hmm. when she showed like just statement dresses. You know what I mean? Yes. Like moments in a movie, like Belle descending the stairs and beauty and the beast. You right. Know what I mean, I'll throw right. it in there. Yeah. Um, but like just these really uh, iconic dresses. Uh, you know, like Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the way that she smiles when her che- she has great cheekbones, and my heart like. My heart like fluttered. I got like something like in the pit of my stomach that I was just like, wow, she is, she is great. But like, again, if Cher was not Cher, would she have won the award? I don't know. I don't know. Right. It did make me think a lot about, you know, like diva worship, you know, Cher and Madonna and Barbara and all that. Like I, it just, Judy, of course, like it just made me think about like, that concept of diva worship and how like this was like a variation of like the the things you were just talking about like that feeling of like i don't mm-hmm. know what this is but i am just in awe of every choice you're making right now and i thought that that must be part of it like the people because i've never been like there's you know certainly you know non-gays but it, certainly there are like britney gays and there's share gays and like you know yes. gaga gays where just like anything these women do they it's just like, oh my God, this queen, I bow to you. Beyonce gays, you know? And like, and I've never been yes. one of those. Like, I think Beatrice Strait is probably my Beyonce, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Barbara Harris is my Gaga. and But it's different, you know? It's <laughs> it's all like, I don't, I w- they don't have a concert I can go to and cry at, you know? They just have like these, these obscure little performances that I can like watch on my laptop alone. Uh, but th- that thing, that spell that people fall under for, of people like Cher, I felt like this movie, I started to start to understand that. Like, oh, this is that thing that people who are obsessed with Cher feel, yes. you know? I agree. I mean, I, I just finished my last thought of, like, if Cher wasn't Cher, would she win? But, like, if I'm taking that out of the, qua- the equation, it still is a great like solid performance. Mm. Like I think she brings everything to the table. You can't compare it to fatal attraction. I know this. It's like what we talk about before, like (laughs) just because like if you're screaming or crying, does that equal Oscar or is like with this performance, that's like more comedically charged and a little bit more subtle. um, And just really natural. Like there, there, there is talents or, I mean, there is, there's value in that as well too. And it's hard because you see something like fatal attraction. You're like, Oh yeah, that's like, she is so committed Mm -hmm. and like just doing everything that I want and what I think is a, an Oscar winning performance. But then there's this side of the coin too. It's, it's hard to weigh. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, but I love Cher in this role. I love her as Loretta. I fell in love with her. It's certainly I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's certainly I mean it's proof that like even though we talk about like oh, you know, which performance is the strongest one, like to your point, in other ways you can't compare like they're so different. You can't compare them. Like mm-hmm. you know, what Glenn is, needs to do in Fatal Attraction is different from what Cher needs to do, you know? And and so like where is like the leveling? Where is the level playing field that you can compare one to the other to? So um, it does yeah. feel in some ways incredibly subjective, you know, it's like th- the way that you're talking about the way that she made you feel watching this 
you might watch Fatal Attraction and go, oh, wow, Glenn was great in that, but I didn't have a strong of a visceral emotional reaction. Does that mean, you know what I mean? Like, does that then qualify yeah. as should have won the Oscar? And it's, uh, I think, you know, again, we, we've talked about this before that like wanting the Oscars to be a meritocracy, but even then when you look at it from that lens, there's still so many variables. There's so many nuances of like, well, yeah, but then how does that compare to what Merrill was doing in Ironweed? And like, where are the comparison yeah. points, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, a little bit of a um, a right turn, but when was the first time? The, is this a movie that you've seen just recently? Had you seen it when you were younger? What's your history with uh, Moonstruck? So Moonstruck is is one of those movies, and I and I say that as if I have a whole bunch of examples. But the example that I would what I would give of this is Moonstruck, of movies that I like <laughs> tried to watch a few times and like just couldn't get the engine to turn over like just couldn't get into it like i think i in the past like would start watching and thinking oh it's moonstruck it's 1987 it's you know romantic comedy it's set in new york it's share i i assumed a certain like settling into a warm bath feeling of like oh this is going to be this mm -hmm. like cozy little movie you know what i mean i'm just gonna like yeah. it's all gonna like the way that the american president just has that lovely 90s feeling that you just kind of like yes. slip into i think i was always expecting the same from moonstruck and and it has just this like slightly different tone and different vibe and it's like a little there's like a little bit of magic to it and a little bit of like magical realism and you know the whole you know with the moon and 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 everything plays out a, like a little differently than I think my expectations going in and I think I would always I can't remember how long I would last with the movie but I feel like I would always drop off probably when she goes to meet Ronnie and that might be because of Nicolas Cage, and we'll get to that. But I I think I, <laughs> I stopped and started this movie at like three or four times in my life. And then finally, for this time, I was like, just sit down and watch the goddamn movie. And yeah. I got to tell you, even like watching it this time, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, why can't I get comfortable in this seat, you know? And then mm -hmm. the ending happened, and I was like, oh, my God, I love this. And then it was like then rewatching scenes. I loved it. And so – Moonstruck has been like a like a new pair of men's dress shoes. Like it took forever to break them in, but once they were broken in and once I was broken in, I was like, I like these shoes. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> And so that's my that's my place with it. Yeah, how about you? Like yes. what's your what's your Moonstruck story? Uh, my Moonstruck story, the first time I ever watched it ever was I did an episode of The No Good, Very Bad Gay with my good friend Angie, mm. who I love. Shout out to Angie Media. I told her we were uh, recording this episode and she was excited that we were honoring Olympia. But, um, you know, Angie is, I, I believe, like around that, like she grew up in that era. So like the 80s are kind of like, like she was like an adult during the 80s mm -hmm. and she was also living in New York, um, you know, like early 20s, mid 20s. Mm. So I feel like there's like that kind of connection. She's Italian. There's like so many things that, that are already sort of like in her wheelhouse, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, but so we watched it, I watched it and we talked about it and I really did like it. But this time around, I fell in love with it even more. I was like so smitten with everything. Like there's something, and maybe you can help me with like articulating this, like it kind of feels like an opera sometimes. Mm. Like even when Nicolas Cage is like taking, um, I almost called her Meryl, <laughs> Cher. Um, 
<laughs> um, Loretta into the bedroom and like he, she's saying like, she's like, basically just like, <laughs> like have sex with me until there's like nothing left but skin and bone or something yeah. like that. It's so over the top and so melodramatic. And even when she calls um, Johnny over in Italy and he's like standing there with his mother and he's like crying, like that scene specifically like was a really good example of it. It's this like melodrama, but they know they're in on the joke. Yep. They know that it's a little crazy and it just works. I don't know how to describe it because on paper, I would be like, what is this scene about? Like, I probably would have a terrible time with it, like trying to figure out what I'd probably play it too seriously where it's it's supposed to be a little bit hokey. Right. Like that. And I think that was the thing that I was like always struggling with with Moonstruck in the past was like there's this like it it all feels like a like a parable, you know, like it all kind of feels like everything mm-hmm. is a little bit in quotes and like is a little bit. Um, referential and certainly like it it does feel like you know opera is obviously a theme throughout this movie and it does feel like yeah it's playing out like an opera and uh yeah there's this sort of heightened realism or like altered realism that I think in the early watches I I didn't want I was like no I I want this to be really realistic and Mm -hmm. um but I, I think it's a it's a huge accomplishment to be able to kind of carry through that tone and it seemed like everybody had kind of figured out the tone of the movie you know at whatever stage of filming it and producing it and editing it and all that uh that it it does work and i felt like i didn't really appreciate it till the end uh and then i kind of like saw the whole picture and i was like oh yeah what a great little movie what you know like oh and like all the performances really settled in for me like it just this Mm -hmm. is one of those movies that surprisingly like benefits from a second watch like i think you kind of have to watch it at least twice yes it made me want to watch it like six more times Mm -hmm. it it made me feel like if i was flipping through a channel one day and found it on like a rainy saturday that i would just be like oh perfect and then Mm -hmm. just like pour myself a glass of wine you know right and just enjoy it it really does have that like you were saying like settling into like a warm bath it just feels i it's like the term watchable is so annoying at the same time, but I, I use it. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, uh, it's like, oh, it's very watchable. Like that means nothing and everything all at the same time. But like, it's not a dig, but sometimes can be. Mm. It's not like, but this is just, I really connected with it in a way that I did not, like you said, like connect with it the first time around, even though I liked it. I, I'm really kind of settling into the idea of what this movie I must said truly is about, but just like what this movie is mm-hmm. uh, and just leaving it at that. Yeah. I, I, I really loved it. I had such a great time. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I mean, I think it like in some ways that that final, you know, what a quintessential example of a set piece, that final set piece in the kitchen, I think is like the bow that ties this whole movie together because it like, I, what's interesting about the structure of Moonstruck is, uh, you know, like it, it takes place over like three days, you know? And yeah. um, mm-hmm. I think my expectation was like, oh, okay, Johnny's going to go to Sicily and then he's going to be gone for a while. And like Loretta and Ronnie are going to kind of like, you know, their love affair is going to slowly blossom. Like it's all going to be a lot more stretched out. And I think part of what, part of that kind of magical realism is the fact that like, they meet and there's this like instant connection. Like everything happens very quickly. And I think that's kind of why it feels like a parable. Cause it's just, it, 
of, of course, like nobody falls, you know, this relationship is not realistic in a way. It's not supposed to be. And I, I think to your point, it's like opera. This relationship is such like high drama and high stakes. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I think, good God, Ronnie and Loretta, like the fights you two are going to have, you know? I know. <laughs> Like, yes. oh my God. And like, fireworks. I, yeah. And yes. I'm not, I'm not, I'm more worried for Ronnie than Loretta. Like, I think she's like, I wouldn't fuck with Loretta. I know. <laughs> I know. She'll make you a steak and then slap you in the oh face. Oh my you God. Know? It's, it's so true. That, that last scene is like the last scene of a farce. Like, yep. I can picture it on stage. Like, just like doors opening and like the wrong people are coming in. And then it turns out to be Rita coming and then like there, people just keep joining it's like every play ever uh-huh. like everyone just like shows up and then it's all resolved like it's and but it's resolved in a beautiful way because of this whole this whole theme of like bad luck and how like how much people truly pay attention to that and are kind of fearful of it in a way too mm-hmm. that that Johnny's just like I can't marry you it's bad luck my mother is uh you know We'll get to it, of course, too. But um, it's it just kind of wraps up perfectly. Like we're in a real world. Like <laughs> it, it really shouldn't, right? And it just does, and it's perfect. Yeah, and, and yeah. By the end, like I've bought into it. Once they're all like cheersing champagne and cheering to family, I was like, oh my god, yes! <laughs> like I, love I know this. it's <laughs> it's so fun. Do you know? And Angie, if you're listening, maybe you can text me later, and I'll. I'll just like report back. What are they putting in the champagne glasses? Oh, I know. I was wondering the same thing. I was like, is that an Alka-Seltzer? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know? I mean, that's what I'll, I would I was need gonna now, say, nowadays. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that's just good common sense in my book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's like a mint or a... Right. I, I don't know. So, Angie, if you know what it is, or anyone else. Yeah. Send us a tweet. I meant to look that up, but I had the same thought. I was like, well, what are we doing? What are we dropping in there? Is, this, is it a... Yeah. Why do I... Why am I considering it's a jordan almond why would it be a jordan almond <laughs> i don't know yeah it's something because it, it's something that doesn't add too much to the fizz right yeah you know but it it's a component of it i don't is it like a piece of candy mm, yeah like I don't a know. little we'll mint yeah but yeah so that's you know let us know uh, bsa pod on twitter yeah <laughs> uh yeah so you know of course not only did Cher win an oscar as loretta but mm-hmm. so too did Olivia 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 Coleman as <laughs> Olivia Ro- Dukakis. Olivia yes. Dukakis. Um, I feel like I feel like John Travolta at an awards show right now. Uh, but Olivia <laughs> Dukakis playing Loretta's mother Rose. Um, and one thing I wanted to mention before we dived in, dived into that. Oh boy! One thing I wanted to mention before we dove into that is that this is one of ten movies in which both both won Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars. Ooh, a little trivia. I mean, the first thing, do you have them all? I do, I do, but I, you know, (gasps) sing out what what comes to your mind first. Let's play, yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm probably going to only remember, like, two, but I would say the first one, of course, is Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yes, classic. Uh, Sandy Dennis in the BSA and Elizabeth Taylor in lead. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, this is good. Because we've covered, like, I think half of them. Isn't that crazy? Oh gosh, really? Yeah, as of today, we'll have covered five out of the ten. That's nuts. Ugh. I'm disgusted with myself that I cannot even think 
of any others. Oh, well, I'll name some that we have not covered and that I okay. wouldn't expect you to know. Um, the first one was 1939, Faye Bainter and Betty Davis for Jezebel. Uh, cool. The following year in 1940, Hattie McDaniel and Vivian Lee for Gone with the oh, Wind. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Then in 1942, Teresa Wright and Greer Garson for Mrs. Miniver. Then in 1952 was uh, one that we had covered. And uh, I'll give you a hint. It involves uh, yeah. a staircase. Not And it's not Who's, who's Afraid, afraid of, of Virginia Woolf. No, but I feel like we probably talked about both moments in this recap of like, oh, a moment on the stairs. Um, oh, my Lord. Why am I blanking? All right, I'll, I don't I'll know give you another thing. hint and you'll know. Oh. You'll know what this okay. hint. New Orleans. Oh, yes. Um, a Streetcar Named Desire. Yes. Kim Hunter and Vivian Lee. Yes. Uh, Vivian Lee, Perfect. her second, another Oscar. She, she, uh, yeah. you know, she, she brings up the, she's the rising tide bringing up the other ships. Good for her. <laughs> yes. Uh, then in 1963, uh, there was, uh, the, the Oscar voters were blinded and deafened by these performances. <laughs> That's so awful. Blinded. <laughs> And def- oh my goodness! Yes, um, the miracle work. Yes, <laughs> Patty Duke and Anne Bancroft in 1963. I mean, these are good hints. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Then of course, uh, uh, Sandy and Liz in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in 67. Okay. And then, uh, my Beyonce. Oh gosh, yes, Beatrice straight for for network, yes. and then uh, Faye Dunaway, and I think I remembered another one. Just as um, is it the piano? Wow, yes, Anna Paquin and Holly okay, Hunter. Holly Hunter and Anna Paquin, and then Olympia Dukakis and Cher, and then and the last one is one that we've done, and and it's what year? What I year if I give you it? the year, you'll know immediately. So I'm going to give you a smaller hint. Uh, what I puddle. Just be, puddle. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. I my my mind went. I don't even know where my mind went. Puddle. Um. Okay. I'll give you another one. Uh. Oh, this one you'll know at this point, but it's worth it. Uh. Goop. Oh, puddle. I, I get puddle <laughs> now. Go, yeah. Shakespeare and love. Right. Dame Judi Dench. And Goop herself. And Goop herself. So, yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow, yes. So, oh, what a fun game. I love stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that's uh, good because we're going to be doing more of those in the Best Sporting After Show yes, in the coming yes, weeks. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but, yeah. yeah, isn't that fun? So, so uh, of the 10, we have done half of them. I love that combo, too. Mm-hmm. I love the uh, the leading and the supporting combo. Oh, yeah. It's, it's you know, it's my favorite combination. Uh, yes. Other than, like, I don't know. Uh, Panda Express orange chicken and their honey <laughs> walnut shrimp. That is a combo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, so Olympia, of course, won in 1987. She beat out um, Anne Southern in The Whales of August, which is this movie starring Lillian Gish and Betty Davis, you know, in like some of their last movie roles and like Vincent okay. Price. It's all like lots of like all these like classic Hollywood actors in this very that. kind of quiet movie about these old sisters, you know, at a cottage by the, by the ocean watching the whales pass in August. Uh, and Ramsey for throw mama from the train, which I always think is like such mm. a, it's such a, like I've seen that movie and it is like such a like, sign- like 
singular performance, but it's like, oh God, she got nominated for an Oscar for that? Okay. Have you ever That's seen Throw Mama from the Train? No, I've oh. not even heard of it. It's, oh, it's a weird one. It's it's entertaining. Yeah. It's a weird one. Um, Norma Aleandro for Gabby, A True Story, which I was not familiar with until I looked this up. And then, of course, you know, who we'll talk more about when we do that episode, but oh, yes. Anne Archer in Fatal Attraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love this performance. I it's it's I love in like a thriller. I love the sort of, you know, wife in peril who, you know, she's got some great moments in it. It's really good. Uh, but yeah, Olympia oh, Dukakis won for Moonstruck. I think she also won the Golden Globe. And uh, I think, you know, as great as Anne Archer was in Fatal Attraction, I, I think Olympia won fair and square this year. This is, yes, this is like the perfect example of, this is not meant as a dig, but I'm going to say middle of the road performance, Mm. but like also with emphasis on like the more deserving half of it, because there are like layers. Because I remember the first time I watched this, I was like, it's interesting that she won for this, but I think much like our sort of theory of watch it twice and see what happens, Mm -hmm. especially with this, um, a lot more nuance. It's like... I, I think that, like, in general, too, like, no one does, like, sardonic, like, sort of sarcasm better than Olympia Dukakis. Like, I think of, like, her as Miss Clary and mm-hmm. Steel Magnolias. And I think of her, even in, I was thinking about other Olympia Dukakis roles. Like, um, she plays a very similar role in Look Who's Talking. She plays, like, Kirstie Alley's mom. Oh, because I and saw she's, her. she's, like, married to this. Yeah. yeah. I saw that she was in, like, all the Look Who's Talking movies. Yeah. Oh, she's great in it. She's, like, just as, like, she's even more, like, biting and, like, I want more of her. And, like, her husband also does, like, it's interesting because there's, like, a through line of um, being, like, an accountant. Like, Mm -hmm. her husband is, like, an accountant or, like, does taxes or something. Um, And he's, like, a big doof. And Olympia Dukakis is, like, the, you know, the smart, you know, she's, you know, she is the neck uh, of the relationship. Right. To quote my Big Fat Greek Wedding. Um but yeah, I I agree that there's a lot more to discover in a second view of this too and I mean, we'll get to it eventually. Yeah, I you know, and that's that's a great point because the first time I finally watched the movie in full, through most of it I was like, okay, she's good. But I But then the dinner scene. But then yes. but then the dinner scene or even the last <clears throat> scene. But oh, yeah. I mean that moment Oh my God! It, yes. This was like to me. It was like Yoo Jung Yoon and Minari, where it was like, Oh my yes. God! That moment when, when uh, Cosmo says, you know, he's got a life built on nothing, and <gasps> it just cuts back to her with like just like the tears in her eyes, like just the intensity of Rose in that moment. I was like, Oh, that to me was <clears throat> talk about quintessential, like a quintessential example of when she won it. It was like yes. unbeatably, unmissably true that this was the moment. I mean, she is great in the rest of the movie, and I didn't really appreciate it until a second watch. But oh my god, the like the intensity of her in that moment, you know, uh, and when she says "te amo," I was like, oh my god, this is Jesus Maria. Yeah, I, yeah. no doubt at that point. And then when I rewatched it, like even that first scene in bed, like the way that she was, you know, talking to Loretta about Johnny, she's like, do you love him? She's like, no, she's like, oh, good. If when you love him, then they, they, you know, they drive you nuts. Like just the, I, I then kind of sunk into like how great Rose is. 
Oh, yeah. Her first line is, who's dead? Who's dead? Like the <laughs> oh way that God. she said, she just wakes up and I was like, talk about like an entrance. Yes. Like she's not even moving, but it's like it's like a, a line entrance more than like a physical entrance. Yeah. Who's dead? That's the a- way that she like. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a great like moment in a compilation. It's just her laying there and then opening her eyes and just looking and just saying, who's dead? I, I just, uh, I totally identify with that because whenever my mother calls me, it's like if she leaves a message, she has to be like, hey, yes. everything's fine. Nobody's dead. I'm just calling to say hello. So like, I, I definitely identified yes. with Rose. My Uncle Bill, who lives in Harrisburg, like anytime my dad would give him a call, he's like, all right, who died? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's the same sentiment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, I mean, Moonstruck is, you know, this weird little movie about falling in love. And, and, you know, it's I I feel like it's, again, more like a parable than like a straightforward narrative. Uh, You know, Loretta gets engaged to Johnny and then Johnny has to go to Sicily to be at his mother's, you know, deathbed. And in the meantime, he's like, oh, get in touch with my brother, Ronnie. You know, I want him at the wedding. And so then. Loretta finds Ronnie and and sparks fly. Uh, I don't know why, because they kind of seem to hate each other in the be- beginning, or I don't know what she sees in him, I, other than maybe the chest hair creeping out from the top of his tank top. But they yes. very quickly consummate things. Uh, I, I love when she's like, take me. I don't care. Take me to the bed. I don't care about anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take it out on take me. Take it out on me. She says, yes. Take your revenge out on me. Yeah. And um, in the meantime, her father, Cosmo, is having an affair with Mona, played by Anita Gillette. Did you recognize her? Mona's great. No. Where do I know her from? She plays Liz Lemon's mother on 30 Rock. Oh, my God. That's one of her lines. Oh, my God. God. (laughs) After he gives her the bracelet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is something. Yeah. Yeah, she, she. Thank you for that. Of course, that is great. Yeah, I mean Anita Gillette. Ugh. It's kind of like if you can't afford Glynis Johns, get Anita Gillette. But yes, uh, <laughs> she's great. Mona is a great little character. I love her her pink dress at the Met. Like she's just a she's a cute little like even though she's the other woman, she's very likable. Yeah, the way that she sort of I, I don't know if it's at the restaurant. She waves goodbye to Cosmo and she does this little like flick of the wrist. It's very. Like, the pink dress says it all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's very charming. Um, and the way that she's just, like, smitten with Cosmo. She's like, you have such a good head for knowing. Yeah. You know everything. It's just right. like, ugh, what a... Compared to, like, Olympia. Like, Olympia would just, like, knock her head. You know what I mean? Right. She'd just be like, snap out of it. Yeah, yeah, like, Mona is so much of what Rose is not in terms of validation, in terms of just, yes. you know, praising the ground that Cosmo walked on, whereas, like... Rose is like, you know, I love when she says when it towards the beginning when he says that he's not going to, you know, pay for the wedding. And, you know, I I can't afford that. She's like, you're as you're as rich as, you know, Roosevelt. You're just cheap. Like Rose doesn't let Cosmo get away with anything. But Cosmo can just pull the wool right over Mona's eyes, Uh, which makes sense that he would search elsewhere because he wants to be in like power. He wants to feel smart. Right. Right. Um, and in the meantime, he's a dummy. He's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Cosmo, it, it's, uh, it's surprising how much I liked him by the end, you know, like he's, yeah, yeah he's kind of a pain in the that ass. Punum. I just wanted to like slap him. Oh, yeah. That exactly. punum. Yeah. 
Yes. Uh, and in all of this, we also meet, because they all, like, Rose and, and Cosmo have this huge house in Brooklyn Heights. And I've, like, because Johnny used to live in Brooklyn Heights, not far from there. And Ooh, so, nice. like, I I know, like, what street she's on when she's walking home, That you know, towards the end of the movie. Oh, no way. Yeah. Kicking the can. Kicking the can. Ugh. It's, I mean, it's such a beautiful location. It's, like, it's, it's a, like, really, like, the most picturesque part of New York. But um, I guess they don't live with them, but nearby are... Uh, Rose's brother uh, uh, Raymond and mm-hmm. his wife Rita, played by Julie Bavasso, who, as we mentioned earlier, is truly the assistant to the best supporting actress. Oh, she's magic. I just, I love her at dinner. I love everything, <laughs> like what she's wearing mm-hmm. and just like her energy and that beautiful scene with her and Raymond. Oh. She's like, you know something? And that light, with that expression on your face, you look about 25 years old. Oh. And the way she starts laughing, because uh. he's like, boing, 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 boing. Yeah. <laughs> and like, And he's, she's like, what are you doing? What, what are you get doing? Get like, I feel like the camera should have cut, but she kept, like, it was so funny. Yeah, I love that. I fell in love with her at that point. And I kept thinking I'd seen her in something else. Apparently she was in like the Saturday Night Fever movies like that and, and the okay. sequel. But what I read about Julie Bovasso, which kind of like Anna Devere Smith, like just made me appreciate her more is that she, um, out you know, outside of this, you know, is like a playwright and a dialect coach and was really involved in like experimental theater in New York in like the 60s and the oh, 70s cool. and like founded a theater company and like just, you know, Sidney Lumet, the father of jenny lumet who uh wrote rachel getting married uh but was a big director he you know credit said julie pavasa was like one of the one of the greatest living actresses of our time and it just kind of Uh, like gave me that lens to watch her performance and yes watching it again i was like this performance is so good like this might be one of the ones (laughs) that i go back to and talk about and think about often uh, yes it's so funny but that scene with her and Raymond in bed when she's like what are you doing what get out of here like get out of here the way she starts to smile at him I was like this doesn't even feel like acting I feel like these actors are just yes. you know playing a moment together oh yes and like the next day when he's just like riding the high of getting laid mm-hmm. and he's like running around the store and she's just like cutting cheese she's like what's the matter with you right. shut up right. it's right. just like Oh, back my. to the old grind. It's so funny. It's so good. Oh my god! Yeah, and the way she's like, "You were a tiger last night," but she like it's very subtle. Like she, it, she just plays so many great little notes. And then in that last scene in the kitchen, uh, I, I I love when they're all sitting around the table and she's standing there. She's like, "So what are we doing?" And then <laughs> what are we doing? I just and I love that she gets to go answer the door. She didn't have a chair. She didn't have a yeah. chair. And then she goes to answer the door to get Johnny. And she oh that I love that. Johnny Camareri. Like, she just... Yes. Oh, my God. She's a queen. Sing-songy. It's so perfect. Yeah. I, I just really, really love her. And um, I want to see, like, her and Rose, like, out on the town, you know? Yeah. Like, I want to see, like, them have a girls' night or something. But, uh... Yeah. Uh, I want to I want to mention and uh or sorry, did we... Oh, yeah, we're we good. Go for it. soon from... No. I want to mention what I call, like... I don't know, BSA cameos, really. Like the old lady at the airport uh-huh. to put a curse on Johnny's plane. Mm-hmm. And she tells that she has this whole monologue. Like they could have easily cut this and they didn't, which I love. She has this whole monologue about how her sister stole her man like so many years ago. And then the sister was like, I didn't even love him. I just did it to like, <laughs> like piss you off. Right. And she's like, I put a curse on that plane. 
and uh, and Cher, like or Loretta, I keep calling her Cher, but Loretta, she's just like, I don't believe in curses. I love that, and just like shuts it down, right? And then she, and the old lady's like, neither do I, right? And it's just that's the perfect way to describe this whole movie. It's like it seems like she, like when you think that Loretta would maybe be worried that the plane would crash, she like goes a whole different direction, and then the old lady's like, yeah, neither do I, right? End scene. Yeah, I, that moment was great, and Loretta just shutting it down. Like, and, and to me, it's funny you keep calling her Cher because I do feel like those are those moments where I'm like, oh, Cher. Like it's it's like yes. kind of like watching Judy Garland and things. Like Judy's giving a great mm-hmm. performance, but I'm also appreciative of Ju- watching Judy the actress work. You know, yeah, and so I feel like these moments, absolutely. like I'm enjoying Loretta and I'm enjoying watching Cher the actress work. Yes, absolutely. I I also want to mention um, Chrissy, best supporting. Oh, Chrissy. best supporting Chrissy. <laughs> oh, at the at the bakery. I mean, she... bring me the big knife, and then she's <laughs> Ronnie, like, "I no. won't do it." I tell you, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> and just like her, like tears in her eyes, she's like, "This is the most tormented man I've ever known." I'm in love with him, you know, like the way right. she just goes on. Oh my God. I love her. Yeah. That moment. It was like, those were those moments that felt like opera where it's like, she was just like a, you know, practically addressing the audience. Yeah. And I, it's f- so funny because you can see, you can tell even from the beginning when Loretta comes in and she's like, I need to speak to Johnny. And she's like, what for? And mm. it's like, she's like almost protective because she like a beautiful woman walked in and she wants to talk to Johnny. Like, who are you? Like, she kind of gives her a little bit of sass. Right. And I forget what Loretta says back to her. She says, like, because I want to or something. Yeah. It's, it's some sort of, like, snap. Right. Uh, but I, I love, I loved Chrissy. Yeah, Chrissy. <laughs> I love, like, Chrissy and Barbara in the basement. At, like, just kind of the un- the use of ensemble during that whole scene with them in the basement of the bakery. Like, yes. I just love when you have other characters there for, like, a reaction shot or to lend a different kind of, like, tone to something. And I felt like those two like there was just something about them where i was like oh i'm so glad you're in this scene like i'm so glad this is like this ensemble moment yeah the bread makers and yeah it just seems so hot down there i was was sweating watching it i know um another another little moonstruck cameo and someone we've discussed briefly before but the hairdresser bonnie is played by amy i always i think i've pronounced her last name wrong in the last time we talked about it and it's amy aquino or amy aquino probably aquino yeah i saw that too yeah uh, but she was in working girl she played oh. um melanie griffith's assistant at the end uh who she oh gets in gosh. and she has her feet up on the desk yes. and she's just, she just like is so great in like that last two minutes of the movie oh that's like a movie i need to go back and watch right? again too it's like all these great 80s movies about women right (laughs) that's all i care about right but i do love like just i mean all these women sort of pack a punch too like in their scenes like you know maximizing the potential Mm -hmm. of like what they have been given like she's gonna take out the gray it's just like that's like such an iconic line i feel because it's 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 so funny how excited they get about it and i do love that scene like i love a makeover scene oh i mean that's one of the things i love about moonstruck is like you know it's like the gays how do they not love this movie you get share and you get a makeover yes. scene i mean and you get crying at the opera like just you know and you, yes. and you get rita i don't know what to tell you like this moonstruck you know queer icon uh but yes. <clears throat> yeah i do i love the makeover i just uh, like ugh, that hair like when she steps out of the salon and her hair is so big she has to step out of the door sideways it's just 
It's so big. It's so big. It's just great. I love it, though. Yeah. She really, like, the fashion. It's like the dance, oh. the fashion in this movie. Like, I... I want everything that Cher is wearing, like that big, like I don't know what you call it, like it, like the big shoulders with the scarf, like the winter coat. Mm-hmm. That like, I I feel like I've seen them in thrift stores, but like I don't know if they like work as well on men or like even even if they sell them. But it's like that material where there's just like a thousand little dots. There's like white dots yes. and gray dots. Mm-hmm. I don't. What is that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I had. There's probably a word for it. Right. It's, it's speckled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like my mom had one and like it just like yeah. brings me back. You know, it's it's nostalgic in a way. That's so funny. I have the same feeling about that coat. I'm like, did my mom have this coat? Because like I know yeah. that I know that coat. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, I want that sweater that she wears in the last scene. Like oh. when she's at the table. It, it's like this V neck sweater that goes like almost to her knees mm-hmm. and she's wearing like these like tights with like these rolled up socks it just looks so comfy yeah i i want that oh and just how she like ties up her hair like it just i'm like oh that lo- that looks good too oh oh she has great hair i was watching her like the the morning after with nicholas cage and she's like kind of just like getting putting herself together again mm-hmm. and i'm just like i love watching people do their hair or just like pull it up real quick and uh, oh she is luminous and like that shot i like there's so many like every once in a while we'll say like i want that framed Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that shot there's share at the met is what i called it the smile when she sees nicholas cage like her cheeks just rise i that's where i got butterflies in my stomach and i I officially fell in love with her at that moment and i think it's it might have been the the gif you sent me or something like that oh yeah to you Mm -hmm. yeah it's that moment Cher crying at the Mets oh, with like the tears coming down. <laughs> those were real tears. I was like, Cher. Yes. I mean, you know, it's funny because I feel like there's a very similar moment in Pretty Woman of Julia Roberts crying at the opera. Yes. Yes. And, and it's meant to be like, oh, you know, this is the moment. But this, I I really, I'm going to say, of, you know, there's three crying at the opera moments or three emotional at the opera moments there that I'm aware of. There's Cher and Moonstruck. And then there's Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman, and then there's Nicole Kidman in Birth. Yes, I was just gonna say. Yes. Yeah, I only I only know that reference because of in the details oh, because I watched it immediately. Yes, <laughs> listening to that. and it really is oh something that moment. I mean, we could do a whole episode, even though it's nothing to do, nothing to do with best supporting actresses. Just a whole episode on that like minute and thirty seconds of Nicole Kidman having a face journey at the opera. Yes, it is. And there's, you know, I'll give it to Cher. There's some good face journeys here. I feel like that, that, you know, when she's kicking the can in the morning and she's walking home, there's, there's kind of a lingering shot on like watching her kind of quietly process like what her life has become. And, you know, I think it's, it's sort of surprising to say that like Cher is really good at like the subtle nuances. Like I think you could, you would expect maybe Mm -hmm. Cher to just kind of everything to be big and as, as big as her hair, but she she's great at like small little facial expressions and gestures, you know, at the, the breakfast table at the end, I feel like she has some like glances at Ronnie or like glances at her father mm-hmm. that are just very, yes. like very coding glances. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. And I feel like I would love to know like what those conversations like between Cher and Olympia Dukakis were, because, you know, there's so much of Rose and Loretta mm-hmm. and there's so much of like Loretta and Rose, maybe like they are two peas in a pod. Like they're, they're just, they're dry wit and sort of no nonsense, 
attitude, but like still very warm and nurturing. Like even when uh, Johnny's like proposing to her at the at the restaurant at the very beginning, there is a moment where she sort of softens. She's like, "Yes, yes, I will marry you, Johnny." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the way, right. they, but it's still like funny the way she says it. It's so good. Yeah, I I feel like it's that thing. It's that very distinct like New York thing of like I, I don't know. I think of. I think of Meryl Streep in Doubt and how it's like you're just like looking for those like moments of warmth or like trying to identify them because it's it's kind of like warmth with a rough exterior. And I feel like I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people in New York and like a lot of like women like that where it's like, oh, it's very and even like growing up in New Jersey, it's like a very specific type of energy that that looks abrasive, but is surprisingly like warm and surprisingly comfortable. Yeah, it's like there there is a a sense of community and a sense of family too, especially like with Italian people. Like, I just feel like that's, it's like, there's so many peaks and valleys. Like you're screaming at each other one moment. And then the next moment you're like, well, let me make you breakfast or let me make you a steak. The way that that like whole thing sort of plays out where she just like puts on an apron, makes him some steak and pasta, and then he eats it. Yeah. Right. It's just like, it's so casual. Yeah. it, It makes me think of, I think one of Rose's best moments in that scene at the end when Loretta comes home and, you know, Johnny's on his way over and Rose is like, you, you, you got a love bite on your neck. He's coming back this morning. What's the matter with you? Your life's going down the toilet. <laughs> yes. Cover up that damn thing. Come on, put some makeup on it. And it's like, she's criticizing her, but she's also like helping her. Worried. Yeah, and yeah, worried, yeah. you know? I just love that. Your life's yes. going down the toilet. What the are you toilet. doing? <laughs> yes. Oh. It's like almost a roar, but not a roar. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like... Oh, she's so funny in that moment. I love that. Like, come on, put some makeup on it. Like, I love that instead of judging her, she's like trying to give her a solution. Yes, yes, yes. Oh. Oh, I love her. Um, I mean, and really, the, as far as like another uh, Olympia Dukakis sort of like rose platform is like the dinner that she has. Oh, yeah, at the restaurant when she, uh, yes. when she meets John Mahoney. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I love, I mean, I love when she like enters the restaurant. She's like, it's just me. I want to eat. Like, I don't know why, but like the, the use <laughs> yeah. of that of like, I'm just, I just need to eat. I want to eat. Like I, I think of Rose as someone who's always cooking for everybody. So I was like, yeah, she just wants to enjoy a meal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Bobo sets her up the, the nervous sort of like maitre d' mm-hmm. <laughs> of the restaurant too. And I, again, the, like this sort of suspension of disbelief of like, John Mahoney is like again like you see it at the beginning and like it's the same lines that he mm-hmm. delivers like get rid of all evidence of her and bring me a big glass of I think wine was the first time and vodka was the second time right, and right. that he that she, oh my gosh I love loved when the way that she invited him over to the way she like looks down mm-hmm. it's like it's like the first time you kind of see her like the confidence break because she does have like swagger you know what i mean like she's i think she's able to like walk into any room and be totally confident but she knows like what she's getting herself into at the same time um yeah but she also knows that she can spar with him yeah you know in in a way i it's like the i what i thought this movie was going to be like playing out over a longer period of time i almost wanted just to kind of see rose continue to navigate this guy but mm-hmm. in retrospect, I kind of also love that it's just like a chance encounter one night. I, I think he, I mean, he's, he's very good in this role. He really like, he is, I had a deeper he appreciation is. of him, even during the dinner when he was talking about like, you know, 
you know, why he dates younger women and like, you know, mm-hmm. how he wants to be who he thinks they see him as. And just watching him kind of navigate that monologue and like all like the way his facial expressions changed. I was like, God, he's such a good actor. Oh, he really is. He's so charming, but also smarmy. And I think the way that he mm-hmm. plays those moments outside the house where he's like, ooh, it's really cold. Oh, like you can tell he's angling to get inside. And yes. uh, she's just like, I, I, I had zero doubt that she wasn't going to bring him inside. I knew that Rose, as she said, I'm a married woman. I know who I am. Like this, you know, I'm too old for you. I love that. Yeah, it's... It's like she, even like by that invite, you know, she didn't go there looking for him. It just happened. And it was sort of like, um, sort of when you, when you really, I guess that night too, and she suspected for a long time that Cosmo had been cheating on her. But I think that might've been the night that she really came to terms with it. And Mm. oftentimes too, when there is like something like that, that it's, it's like the, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm going to invite this guy over. Yeah. Like, let, let me see what, what this is about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, well, let me see what I can get myself into. And like, surprisingly, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to get like what she wanted, I guess, out of him. But she also is like asking him questions. Like, why do men chase women? And like trying to help him out as well. But they do have this connection. And then there's like, she's like almost there. You know, like mm-hmm. it's kind of written on her face that there's like a, there is some consideration. Yeah. But then she's like, no. Right. Like, like she has that here. line of like, <laughs> you're, you're like, you know, uh, you're like, a, you know, you want, you want to get into trouble. Like you, you just want to get into trouble. And, yes. you know, it's like, I think she, it's like kind of her acknowledging like, this is, this is not worth it. This is not good news. This is not worth it. Um, and I think it's also interesting, you know, she's she knows that Cosmo is, is having an affair. Like she's, she's come to that conclusion. And I think considering how long they've been together and just like, you know, who she is and, and the life that they've built together, it's about so much less, it's less, so much less about like the betrayal or the loss or the, you know, the heartbreak and more of just, she just wants to understand it. Like she just wants to wrap her head around it. It's almost as if she's not even, taking it personally which i think she does at the end i think it gets very personal in that scene when he says he has nothing but um you know when then johnny comes home and she kind of has the same line of questioning for him and you know Mm -hmm. they come to that conclusion that like you know a man chases a woman to kind of run away from death and i love like i love the maturity of her being like that's it thank you i just needed to get to that answer like that's where i needed to land was was knowing more than Cosmo does, like understanding what Cosmo is doing more than, than Cosmo understood it. And, you know, then she has that great line of like, Cosmo, I just want you to know that like, no matter what you're, what, nor what you do, you're going to die. And I, I think that it's like, I don't know it was just such an unexpected note. Like instead of her being, you know, Emma Thompson crying in the bedroom in love, actually, like she's, you know, she's dealing with it in this like very, you know, old Brooklyn Italian woman kind of way. Yeah. And even going back to um, the John Mahoney thing too, it's like, I think she's just looking for like someone to pay attention to her Mm. because there's so much of like being, you know, being in a marriage and like, whether it's like physical, you know, intimacy or just like emotional intimacy, like Cosmo has been absent for a while. Yeah. So the, and, and like, I think the, like the best representation of that is like how, 
excited she is to kind of just like take his arm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? On the sidewalk. Like, I love that choice. Like, I don't know if that was in the script. I don't know if she just decided to do it. Either way, like, I'm glad that they. And then another moment of the movie where, like, you think it's going to be bad is when they sort of cross um, with her father in law, you know what oh, I mean? At that right. corner. Right, right. And it's like, oh my God. And he knows. And then John Mahoney's like, do you know that man? She's like, yes. <laughs> right. just go. Like, again, like nothing. There are no consequences, even though there are consequences. Uh, but it's it doesn't disrupt the through line of what's really going on, I guess. It's just like another comedic moment. Right. It's not it's just like this old man. Right. It's not just like Rose now having to like deal with her father or whatever. It's just like, oh, God, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, I mean, she's got that great line of like, if you give those dogs another bite of my food, I'm going to kick you till you're dead. Like, she's just. Oh, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's just not flapped by him. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think all of that, everything we're talking about with her, I think is what then makes that last scene at the table so powerful is to like, you know, I think it's really the economy of when someone should talk through tears or when someone should get emotional or when we should see a vulnerable side. And like to see Rose kind of be so kind of strong and, and uh, you know, sarcastic and dry throughout the movie and then just like so emotionally present. Like it just she could have overplayed it and she just played it so subtly and it just um yeah like that was so to me i was like yep you should win an oscar for that choice and even from like a a writing perspective i think she was able to be restrained because of the conversation with johnny and him saying Mm -hmm. that it's like she was she had that reassurance and she understood, I guess, because like the, that's the first question is like, why? What did I do wrong? Right. Why are you cheating on me? Like, what are you getting from this woman that I don't have? And like, once she had that answer, I think she was able to finally confront him because she, it seems like she would have confronted him long ago. But mm-hmm. like, it's like she's kind of, the whole journey is kind of understanding why men act the way that they do, specifically Cosmo, I guess, in that case. But I, I think that, Maybe she didn't expect herself to get emotional, um, but it did, like, sort of swell up. But it's so great to watch and, like, a really hard thing to do. Like, I can't imagine getting yourself to that point only to kind of, like, reel yourself back in very quickly. Um, Yeah, apparently this scene, uh, I mean, I don't know the whole story, but it sounds like uh, the director, Norman Jewison, had basically, you know, had them rehearsing and working on the scene like for hours and like missing lunch breaks and things like wouldn't let them break until they like nailed mm-hmm. all the beats of the scene. And Ooh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like it, it, it wades into like Stanley Kubrick, you know, what Stanley did to Shelley, uh, you know, <laughs> in the shining. But I, you know, I, it, so it's like, you know, maybe that's a little troublesome, but I, I appreciate, I don't know, kind of the, the work of acting and kind of a finding those emotional beats and that it is like we watch this and it's almost like you can almost say, Oh God, like she just figured it out. But like the idea that like, mm-hmm. Oh, all of this, all of like orchestrating this scene full of people took so much work. Um, and I think he even said this was the hardest scene he had ever directed was, was that final set piece. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I do love, I, I feel like that would be one of the hardest things about filming 
anything really a tv show or or a movie is like you don't have the momentum that you have like of a play like of live Mm -hmm. theater so like i feel that that contributes to the success of this scene and why it works so well It, it makes perfect sense what you said like i don't know what the starting point was like it was was it like your life's going down the toilet all the way to right like the very last champagne scene like how long i mean it wasn't one take i don't think obviously but i think that it does I just love that everyone's there. Like Nicolas Cage is there and like, uh, or Johnny will say, and Johnny's there, Loretta's there, like the the old grandpa's there. And they're having this like really intense confrontation, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. But like the, everyone's just kind of like eating their oatmeal and going with it. Yeah. And, and it then it works. Just, and yeah. Yes. Yeah. It wouldn't. It seems like it does. It shouldn't. Right. Right, like it, it for that many people in the room and that many different perspectives, like it shouldn't work as well as it does. But it's like if Rita and Raymond weren't there, it wouldn't be the same, you know? Yes, yes, yes. It's like, um, I don't know, the recipe to that scene, like the ingredients rather mm-hmm. are just like it's perfectly timed, perfectly paced, and it's just the, the right amount of people. And it's it's still light even though it's intense. Yeah. Yeah, they. I feel like we know with Johnny at the end, like the way the old man is like giving him a glass of champagne, and it's like, you know, you're you gotta gotta understand like your family now, you know, like your brother is married yeah. already, like your family, and like it's, you know, again, like it's a quick resolution, but like it's the perfect note to land on of like even it doesn't end with like just Johnny sitting in the corner looking despondent, like he even finds like yes. the joy of family in the end, and I and that's, uh, it was just yeah, it all wrapped up so perfectly. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I can't wait to watch this again. Keon has not seen it, so one of these days, you know, a yeah. rainy Saturday. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime for anyone who wants to, uh, who needs a refresher, or if it's the first time. I it's a high recommend. Yeah, this is really great. Certainly, if you're you know wanting to uh, look back fondly at Olympia Dukakis, this is a great choice. Mm. I would also highly recommend. One of my favorite movies that I, I, you know, we could talk about here. We, I could talk about it in the details, but I probably talked about it here before. Um, this movie, Away From Her, with uh, yeah, Julie, Christie. Julie Christie. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that movie is incredible. But Olympia Dukakis has a great supporting role in it at, that I just, mm-hmm. um, and there's this nurse in it. Ugh. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's got this That's scene. all I need to know. She's, there's a nurse, yeah. and she has this scene that is, one of my favorites. It's it's another like, <gasps> what is happening? This is incredible kind yes, of moment. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but that whole movie just makes me cry like a baby. So uh, mm-hmm. if you're ever in the mood to just, you know, wring yourself Weep. dry, yeah, away from her, and and not in a depressing way. Like it gets heavy, but it doesn't. It ends on a good note. So um, yes, yes. But anyway. Uh, yeah, so that is Moonstruck, which I, worth mentioning was written by John Patrick Shanley, who wrote Doubt. So, um, yes. you know, just to give him, uh, and I think he won or was nominated for an Oscar for this movie for best screenplay. I know it was nominated for best picture. Possibly. Uh, and I think he, cause Olympia won, Cher won, and he won. Yeah. He won the, for best screenplay. Oh, fun. Um, I love that. But then Norman Jewison. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I love the, the, the script and the two women. Um, but Vincent Gardini was nominated for best supporting actor. It was nominated for best mm-hmm. picture. And then Norman Jewison was nominated for best director. So, um, I do just want to mention because he was nominated for a Golden Globe, but we didn't really talk about Nicolas Cage. And oh yeah, if if, if I'm just gonna say it, 
I know that Cher insisted on Nicolas Cage to be cast in this, and she was going to quit if they didn't keep him in the movie. I think, well, that's the power of Cher. But I think for me he was the weak spot of this movie or the weak link of this movie. I'm I'm taking that in because I I do think like was there any sort of like trivia that you found like it was rumored to be you know John Travolta or someone right. like that or you know who else could have been in the movie I guess I, I'm trying to think of who I would have cast Yeah I think it was supposed to be or like who they wanted was Peter Gallagher who Oh yeah who I'm like oh Okay, I can I mean, see it. I, I can. I can. I could definitely see it. You know, he's he's Peter Gallagher is kind of like um, oh, who's that guy that you love? Who's the guy who is in Dead to Me that you love? Uh, that oh, actor. James Marsden. James Marsden. He has everything. Yeah, yes. he's like great in everything. He's you know, I can see Peter that. Gallagher yes. is great in everything. He was in Hello, My Name Is Doris. He played the the um the guy who wrote the inspirational book that they go to see and they steal the cheese. Oh yeah, yeah. he's kind of like he has like an Elvis quality. I don't know why. Yes. Like, I think, like there's just something very sultry, kind of like. Hit, like he could play Harry Connick Jr.'s dad in a movie or right. something like that. Right, it's yes. that energy. Yeah. Um, so I could have yes. seen that, but and I feel like was there someone else that was? I think that was the only other name that I saw mentioned. But mm. um, I did also see that uh, Anne Bancroft and Maureen Stapleton were considered for uh, Rose the role, the role of Rose, but oh, I guess their but their fees were too high. Either of them would have been incredible. They're both. Uh, yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, I mean, Maureen Stapleton is one of those actresses that I could watch read the phone book. Uh, sure, but uh, yeah. But- Back to Nicolas Cage. I feel like Nicolas Cage has like Adam Driver energy in this movie. Mm, that's interesting. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's like, I'm an actor and I'm going to give you choices. And like that whole, it's almost like an aria for going with this like opera theme of him like with the hand mm-hmm. and like it's so over the top. But like, I I feel like you need to see how ridiculous he is and how stubborn he is in order to kind of see the transformation. But there's part of me that's like, what happens between like him screaming in the basement with like flames in the back to like sensitive man who loves opera? You know what I mean? Like, it's right. like that transition happened very quickly for me. Right. I guess um, was and, was he moonstruck? We didn't see the moonstrike him. So I, I I agree. It was like, oh, OK, now we get this Ronnie. Yeah, and he just kind of turned into, like, lovey-dovey, dopey guy, which is fine. Like, I I liked him when he was a little bit less, like, you know, hyper-masculine, just, like, throwing shit all over the place. Mm -hmm. But like you said, like, the fights that they're going (laughs) to have, the fights that they're going to have. But I think she did sort of balance him out a bit, and uh, unfortunately, Chrissy's never going to get him. But uh, I... yeah. I don't mind it, but I I see I, I I hear you. I'm not dismissing what you're saying because I do agree that it does feel a little miscast. But he was a big deal back. Like he's an Oscar winner too. Like it's like mm-hmm. I think of Nicolas Cage of where he is now, and it's almost like Chuck Norris level. You know what right, I mean? right. Um, but like he was a really big deal, at least in my eye. Maybe that's like too much to say, but like I feel like he was a name of sorts he was i mean right before this he was in peggy sue got married and raising arizona Mm -hmm. like he was in like you know real movies like it wasn't just you know face off uh you know or any of the weird shit he's in now but um, yeah apparently he's gonna be playing joe exotic in an upcoming miniseries oh yeah so which 
makes sense. Um, that yeah, works. maybe it takes three watches, but I like there was just something about him where I was like, oh, I just, I just don't know about this one. But you know, again, Moonstruck. Maybe, maybe that's also part of like the world of Moonstruck. You know, like yeah, he's a wolf. He's a he's wolf. A wolf yeah, and it's certainly from that lens. I he's more wolf than Peter Gallagher. I'll give him that. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think those are all of my thoughts on Moonstruck. I'm trying to think if I missed anything, but I think that was everything no, I had to I say. I feel good. Yeah. I'm like ready for like some pasta and a oh, glass of wine. Right? Oh my God. I want like chicken Parmesan so bad right now. It's disgusting. Um, yes. Well, uh, that maybe that's, maybe that's our cue to get played off. Chicken Parmesan is the, is the, you know, the secret, <laughs> the secret word. Play us off. We said it. Chicken Parmesan. Um, we did. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, now that we're getting played off, uh, where can folks find more of you? Uh, they can find more of me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov, and they can also listen to my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast, comes out every Tuesday. How about you, Colin? Well, you can, of course, find more of me and my other two podcasts, All Right, Mary, and In the Details, A Celebration of Nuance. And you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker, Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And, of course, you can get more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Twitter at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And as usual, keep your peepers peeled because our best supporting after show will be out on Friday. And uh, we are not going to tell you what we're going to talk about because we don't know yet, but it's going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be great. Yeah. And uh, that, as they say, is that.